Before the Dawn, A Story of the Fall of Richmond by Joseph A. Altscheller Published by Doubleday, Page, and Company, April 1903 Produced by Civil War Audio at civilwar.builtwithflash.com Read by John Bruzes You can find us on Facebook at Civil War Audio Podcast Chapter 22, The Lone Sentinel The desultory firing troubled the ears of Talbot as he trode to and fro on his self-imposed task, as he could not see the use of it. The day for fighting and the night for sleep and rest was the perfect division of a soldier's life. The tale of the battle writhed on without regard for his feelings or theories, though its efforts became gradually feebler, and he hoped that by and by the decent part of both armies would settle into lethargy, leaving the night to the skirmishers, who never sleep and are without conscience. He went back a little to an open spot where a detail of about twenty men were posted, but he did not remain with them long. Securing a rifle, he returned toward the enemy, resolved to watch on his own account, a voluntary picket. Talbot was not troubled for his friends alone. The brigade had been beaten and driven back upon the river, and with the press of numbers against it, he feared that the next day would bring its destruction. The coming of the night, covering friend and foe alike, and making activity hazardous, was opportune, since it would give his comrades time to rest and gather their strength for the stand in the morning. He could hear behind him, even now, the heavy tread of the beaten companies as they sought their places in the darkness, the clank of gunwheels, and now and then the neigh of a tired horse. The crash of a volley, and another volley, which answered, came from his right, and then there was a spatter of musketry, stray shots following each other and quickly dying away. Talbot saw the flash of the guns, and the smell of burnt gunpowder came to his nostrils. He made a movement of impatience, for the powder poisoned the pure air. He heard the shouts of men, but they ceased in a few moments, and then, farther away, a cannon boomed. More volleys of rifle shots, and the noise of the cheering or its echo came from his left. But unable to draw meaning from the tumult, he concluded at last that it was only the smoldering embers of the battle, and continued to walk his voluntary beat with steady step. The night advanced, and the rumbling in the encampment behind him did not cease at all, the sounds remaining the same as they were earlier in the evening that is, the drum of many feet upon the earth, the rattle of metal, and the hum of many voices. Talbot concluded that the men would never go to sleep, but presently a light shot up in the darkness behind him, rising eight or ten feet above the earth, and tapering at the top to a blue and pink point. Presently another arose beside it, and then others, and still others, until there were thirty, forty, fifty or more. Talbot knew that these were the campfires, and he wondered why they had not been lighted before. At last the men would go to sleep beside the cheerful blaze. The fires comforted him, too, and he looked upon the rosy flame of each, shining there in the darkness, as he would have looked upon a personal friend. They took away much of his lonely feeling, and as they bent a little before the wind, seemed to nod to him a kind of encouragement in the dangerous work upon which he had set himself. He could see only the tops of these rosy cones. All below was hidden by the bushes that grew between. 
He could not even see the dim figure of a soldier, but he knew that they were there, stretched out in long rows before the fires, asleep in their blankets, while others stood by on their arms, ready for defense should the pickets be driven in. The troublesome skirmishers seemed to be resting just then, for no one fired at him, and he could not hear them moving in the woods. The scattering shots down the creek ceased, and the noises in the camp began to die. It seemed as if night were about to claim her own at last and put everybody to rest. The fires rose high and burned with a steady flame. A stick broke under his feet with a crackling noise as he walked to and fro, and a bullet sang through the darkness past his ear. He fired at the flash of the rifle, and as he ran back and forth fired five or six times more, slipping in the bullets as quickly as he could, for he wished to create an illusion that the patrol consisted of at least a dozen men. The opposing skirmishers returned his fire with spirit, and Talbot heard their bullets clipping the twigs and pattering among the leaves, but he felt no great alarm, since the night covered him, and only a chance ball could strike him. His opponents were wary, and only two or three times did he see the shadows which he knew to be there moving figures. He fired at these, but no answering cry came, and Talbot could not tell whether any of his bullets struck, though it did not matter. His lead served well enough as a warning, and the skirmishers must know that the nearer they came, the better aim they would have to face. Presently their fire ceased, and he was disappointed, as his blood had risen to fever heat, and he was in a fighting humor. The night went on its slow way, and Talbot, stopping a moment to rest and listen for the skirmishers, calculated that it was not more than two hours until day. The long period through which he had watched began to press upon him. Weights dragged at his feet, and he noticed that his rifle, when he shifted it from one shoulder to the other, appeared many pounds heavier than before. His knees grew stiff, and he felt like an old man, but he allowed himself no rest, continuing his walk back and forth at a slower pace, for he believed he could feel his joints grate as he stepped. He looked at the fires with longing, and was tempted to go, but no, he must atone for the neglect of that chief of brigade. Just when the night seemed to be darkest, the skirmishers made another attack, rushing forward in a body, firing with great vigor and shouting, though hitherto they had fought chiefly in silence. Talbot considered it an attempt to demoralize him, and was ready for it. He retreated a little, sheltered himself behind a tree, and opened fire, skipping between shots from one tree to another in order that he might protect the whole of his battle line and keep his apparent numbers at their height. His assailants were so near now that he could see some of them springing about, and one of his shots was followed by a cry of pain and the disappearance of the figure. After that, the fire of his antagonists diminished and soon ceased. They had shown much courage, but seemed to think that the defenders were in superior numbers, and a further advance would mean their own destruction. Again, silence came, save for the hum of the camp, the fires burnt brightly behind him, and far off in front he saw the flickering fires of the enemy. As the wind increased, the lights wavered, and the cones split into many streams of flame before it. The leaves and branches whistled in the rush of air, and the waters of the creek sang a minor chord on the shallows. 
Talbot had heard these sounds a hundred times when a boy in the wilderness of the deep woods, and it was easy enough for him to carry himself back there, with no army or soldier near. But he quickly dismissed such thoughts, as would lull him only into the neglect of his watch. After having kept it so long and so well, it would be the height of weakness to fail now. When day could not be much more than two hours distant, the silence remained unbroken. An hour passed, and then another, and in the east he saw a faint shade of dark gray showing through the black, as if through a veil. The gray tint brightened, and the black veil became thinner. Soon it parted, and a bar of light shot across the eastern horizon, broadening rapidly, till the world of hills, fields, and forests rose up from the darkness. A trumpet sounded in the hostile camp. Skirmishers filled the woods in front of Talbot and pressed toward him in a swarm. "'Surrender!' cried one of them, an officer. "'It is useless for you to resist. We are a hundred, and you are one, don't you see?' Talbot turned and looked back at the fires burning in the empty camp of his comrades. The light of the morning showed everything, even to the last boatload of the beaten brigade landing on the farther shore. He understood all. "'Yes, I will surrender,' he said." as his eyes gleamed with sudden comprehension of his great triumph. But I've held you back till the last company of our division has passed the river and is safe. <laughs>